you know, after you finish something like so hard, like a hundred mile race, and then everyone's just asking you, what's next? What's next? Yeah. And you're getting this, these, you're getting these questions. You're like, man, like, do I have to top that hundred mile race? Do I have to go harder? Do I have to go stronger? And like, how much time do I have? Do I have to do it in three months or does like the spark go away? Um, Cause right now you have people's attention. You know, people are watching you. They, they love your story. Um, they love your journey. Like I get that advantage of like, you know what? I have to focus on my family, my wife, my sons. I need to make sure they're taken care of before I do something selfish again. Cause it's a selfish act. You know, I got to dedicate a lot of time into training. But then on race day, I ask for their support and they have to take time out of their day, their work, their, their, their schedule. They got to be all in, you know, they got to be fully committed like I'm committed. For you being a father um, and just having so much going on outside of running, like it is equally inspiring for people to see that aspect of your life and to also just see the consistency. Like you told me, you're already back to running you're already back to, you know, lifting and I see what time you're lifting in the mornings and running in the mornings. And it's like, I know you're doing that. Not because, you know, 4am is like your number one choice of time to get up and train, but out of necessity. And that to me, as someone who doesn't have that amount of responsibility on me at this time in my life, like it's inspiring, because I know one day, I will, like, I will have a family that I have to support. I will have other obligations that I have to show up for. And it's like showing me what you're doing right now doesn't have to stop. You don't have to sacrifice your goals and your development, um, you know, at the expense of like the, the betterment of your family. Like you can have both, you can work for both, but it takes that hard work. Yeah, man, exactly. And I put, I also put myself in your guys' position, like, Though I'm only like this now because I do have a family. Before yeah. when I was single and I was um I had no obligations, I wasn't like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I look at you guys like, man, like you guys are doing really good things and you guys don't have to, you know, you're you're choosing to to go out and do hard things when I'm just getting started, man. I'm 33 years yeah. old, like I'm 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 late in the game, but I'm I'm going at like, you know, full speed. Yeah. You said 33 years old? Yeah. 33. Let's really have the jumping off point to the podcast here. Uh, Manny Zubia, dude, I'm pumped to sit down with you um, virtually, but still like just so excited to, uh, to get to talk to you. And, you know, we've, we've met in person twice. Uh, the Austin marathon is, is kind of my first time remembering uh, talking to you for a short amount of time. And then also, the Leadville 100 this past year. It was cool to see you out in the mountains of Colorado. And hopefully I'll see you out there uh, in the future where we're both running that race. But uh, I appreciate you joining me today. First, you know, I, I was going to kind of save this topic for later on in the podcast, but I think we're at a good point to kind of start with it. Actually, uh, you mentioned you're 33 years old. I want you to take me back to um, kind of maybe where all of this began, like this fitness stuff for you began, um, in being a kidney donor and were you were 26 years old. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think it was, um, I was turning 26, so I was still 25. Um, uh -huh. I was turning 26, um, that year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd love for you to just kind of, uh, tell that story like in your own words. Um, I've read, uh, a little bit about it. I believe you have an article up, um, 
through, uh, what is it? Kidney donor athletes. And, uh, you recently posted about it as well, like in following uh, your 100 mile race that you just completed 13 days ago, maybe 12 days ago, if you finished on Sunday. Uh, but I'd yeah. love to hear this story in your own words, cause I know it's a powerful one. Yeah. So it was like 2014. Um, my mom got on dialysis from a kidney disease. She was very sick. She's, she had, she had the disease for like eight years prior. So she was always going through something, going to like medical, um, offices and doctors and always getting checked up on. Um, so she was like a really rare case, you know, she didn't have diabetes. She wasn't like, um, a drinker, you know, she didn't do drugs. She did. She was just, um, it just, she just got bad luck. And, um, we would go with her every year. She was on a transplant list where you have to go, you got to make sure you're good. You got to make sure, um, you're able to accept a transplant. And, um, we would go with her and I actually asked one of the doctors, I was like, am I able to give her my kidney? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. I was like, cause my mom told me I couldn't give my, her my kidney because I had tattoos, uh, like the tattoos getting like the blood or something. And she's like, no, no, you can. And I was like, see, and, um, so we went home, nothing, nothing happened really. She just didn't want me to do it. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I understand. Um, but she started getting really, really sick, like really sick. She was going to the doctors, emergency rooms. Um, when they, when you're on dialysis, they filter the blood. They take a lot of water out of you. Um, and she was just, it, she just couldn't handle it. Her body couldn't handle it. A lot of people die on dialysis, um, just because it's, it's a machine that's, keeping you alive but it's also kind of killing you like it's mm -hmm. it's just like taking all these all the all the um the blood out of you filtering you the, the water out of you and it's like doing all the work that your kidneys are supposed to do um so finally i uh i um i had them email me or give me the paperwork that i needed i filled out all the paperwork and then i gave it to my mom and i said here like send it in and she never sent it in she just kept it on the on the dresser and I, I um at this time like I was living like down the street with uh my wife now. We were living down the street and I was like, Did you send in the paperwork? And she said, uh, uh no, I'll do it later. So I came over here, I like I, I, I got into the house, I grabbed the paperwork and I sent it in. And then she gets home, she's like, Where's the where's the papers? Like, where's everything? And I was like, I already sent it in. She started crying because she knew that once I send it in, like there was, that's where like the process starts. Mm -hmm. um, so then, um, man, like it's a process of doing this. You got to go through a lot of physicals. You got to go through everything. Um, they got to make, it's like pretty much like a, a test, like to, to be an astronaut, like yeah. that, that, uh, that testing is that process is just so, so, um, like detailed cause they, they're taking something out of you. Right. So, um, we go, everything's going good. Like I'm, I'm a great match. I'm, a, I'm, um, you know, everything's going good. They, they check me, I'm healthy. And, um, even though like everything you could be related and you could, uh, you know, have the same blood, you still can't be a match. Like there's a way, um, where you're, everything just has to match, I guess. I don't know what really everything goes into like the, the medical side of it but um i i ended up being a match mm -hmm. so i told her 
um, at Disneyland. I made a sign that said, you know, you get three wishes, be a match or a trip to Di- or a trip to Florida or a trip to Hawaii. And there was an X where it said, um, be a be a donor match with me. And, you know, she was she was crying. You know, it was crazy. Um, and so then, man, I, I went through the process. I I. Uh, um, it was like two months. This took like two months from the yeah. from the process starting and then me going under under the knife. And, um, you know, so we're going through it, everything. And she's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, like we don't have a choice. Like, there's nobody else. And you're my mom. So if anybody's got to do it, it's going to be me. Um, so we go through it. I go under the knife and man, it's, it was brutal. Um, cause you know, in like inherently you're making yourself sicker, you know, taking mm-hmm. something out of you that doesn't need to. So like, I was just really hurting. It was hard to walk in my, my mom, you know, she felt great, you know, after she got her kidney, man, like she felt good. She's like, you know, she was, she was, uh, she was moving good. She was, she felt yeah. great. And me, I'm just like, shit, like I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I could barely walk. Um, I'm off of work for like a whole month and I can't do anything. I can't lift. I can't run. I can barely, I can barely walk. I can't do anything. So I got into like, like depression just cause I was stuck in bed. Um, I knew it was for, you know, my mom, but still, man, like it, it was, uh, it was depressing just being in bed all day. And me, like, I like being active. I like moving. So it was just, um, it was really hard to deal with. Um, so I tried to go to work as soon as possible. And um, it took about a month, like a, a good month where I started, like, getting back to it. Um, and now, man, my mom is better than ever. She's going on vacations. She's, you know, going all around the world. She's able, she doesn't have to uh, go on, like, dialysis she does have to take like anti-rejection pills, but I mean, it's, that's better than, you know, going and uh, doing dialysis or, um, you know, feeling sick all the time. So that, that was, uh, 2016, man. And uh, it's just something that, um, I really would like to advocate more for people that have someone they love and care about. And maybe they don't want their kids to to give a kidney, or maybe they don't want, um, you know, just a family member, or even if they have, there's somebody they just met and that needs a kidney. Um, they want to do something, you know, very uh, selfless, uh, and they have like reservations. I mean, I could just like use me as an example. I'm like, look, like. I've on, I'm honestly a better person. I'm honestly a better athlete. I'm, and not because they took a kidney out, but just sub- subconsciously, mm-hmm. I look at life as uh, a lot differently. And then I try to be as healthy as possible. Like I don't drink, smoke, drugs, um, any of that. So it's it's um, it's up to you know it's also up to people if they want to change. You know. Yeah. Take take me back to that a little bit. Like, was there any hesitation on your part in making that decision? I, I you know, me, like, man, I'm, I, I've always lived as life, like, there's not tomorrow. So, like, if I even died under the knife and giving her mm-hmm. my kidney, like, I did what I had to do. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I had no, 
no reservations. I didn't think about it. Like, oh, I don't think I should do it. I didn't talk to other people. Like, what do you think? Like, mm-hmm. it was ne- it was never, ever uh, me thinking a uh, second thought. Like, I was always all in. Yeah. I would assume, though, that even with, like, that conviction that you were doing what needed to be done, there had to be a fear associated with that. Am I correct? Yeah, I guess kind of, like, I have my kids now, right? And yeah. let's say they needed a kidney. You know, and now I can't give them mine. You know, I don't got any more left. You know, I just got one for me. You know, so that would kind of be on me in my head now that, like, I would think about that stuff, like, before, because I was with my my wife at the time now, um, but she was my girlfriend, that I was kind of going through my head. Like, what if I'm in a situation now with my mom, but, like, it's me for my son, and my mm-hmm. son needs a kidney, and now I can't give him one? It would be, like, shit, like... You know, I hope there's somebody out there in the world that would help my son or um, and then I guess now I can be like kind of an advocate for anybody like and like I have one kidney. I gave mine and you can still do whatever you want in life. It's never going to hinder you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think it comes down to doing what you feel is is the right thing in that moment. And it sounds like you did that with such courage, it's like, that's an inspiration to so many people just in that act. Um, And I think I think a decision that many people, you know, would like to believe that if they were put in that same situation, they would do it, um, you know, in in such a way like you did. So definitely commend you for that. And thank you for sharing that story. I know, that was also a turning point in your life. uh, in, in considering your health and fitness. And you mentioned it already, you know, you, you don't drink, you don't smoke. Um, and you now filter those decisions through the understanding that you have just one kidney. And that also, I would assume there are just more important things to consider beyond, you know, those pleasures that may not really uh, provide much, if any, benefit to our lives. So kind of tell me about how that served as you know, a turning point for now, the person that you've become running 100 mile races, lifting weights, and, you know, just living this life that is inspiring many people. Yeah, I mean, and those things just affect your performance in the gym, on a run. So now I just look at that as you know, how am I going to have a run tomorrow if I'm drinking today or if I'm mm-hmm. like having a cigarette or, you know, I'm doing weed or something like that? Like it's it's not going to help my performance at all. You know, so now I kind of see that as like it's not going to help my performance. It's not going to help me, my organs. It's not going to serve any benefit. It's, it's just like a instant gratification of, you know, mm-hmm. being social with people. And kind of being more like open or whatever you want to call it when you start drinking or doing any type of um, drugs or something like that. So um, I just see that it's going to affect my performance and I want to perform at my best. And I don't want to have any um, thoughts of like, damn, like if I wouldn't have that drink that weekend, maybe I'd be good. Or, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it for that. Yeah. It almost sounds like such a simple question. And I know if I were asked this question, I, I don't know that I would have a, a very complex answer because to me, it's pretty straightforward. But why is performance so important to you? Why is getting to run these 100 mile races and like 
set new personal bests? Why is that an important aspect of your life that you're so willing to prioritize and sacrifice for? Yeah, I, I mean, why does anyone do it? You know, they to, just to be the best possible version of myself, um, to give my kids an amazing dad, a dad that does great things, to give my wife a husband that does amazing things, that is always putting himself in a position to succeed, you know, whether it be running races or even um, inspiring somebody that's just watching me and they're like, man, I'm a dad too. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Like I get off of work and I don't do shit or um, uh, it's just kind of like maybe it'll like spark something in them where, you know, man, I got to do something, whether it just be run one mile a day or one, one mile, like every other day, you know, if they look at me and like, man, this guy ran a hundred miles in 19 hours. Like, why can't I run a mile in 10 minutes or 12 minutes, you mm -hmm. know? And also, like, I just want my kids to grow up seeing their dad, you know, doing these amazing things. You know, I like to film it just so my kids are small, man. They don't know what's going on. They don't know when I got home that day after I ran 100 miles, they don't even know what happened. You know, they're just like, I come in like barely walking. And they're just like looking at me and I'm like, man, you yeah. don't even know what your dad just did, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... That's why I like to film. I like to document things so they can look back and watch it and see, damn, my dad was, you know, he's a beast. And if something happens to me tomorrow, you know, they have something to, to remember me by, like my legacy. And yeah. I think what what's important to me is having a legacy for my kids to, you know, follow. Um, if anything happens to me, they have these, uh, these, these steps and these, they have these um, things to watch where, man, I would love to be like my dad. You know, yeah. I, I want to be, I, my dad's a great role model. My dad is, you know, somebody I would like to be like. And then my wife can also tell my kids, like, you know, your your dad was, your dad was this, your dad was that. And, um, you know, I never would want them to be like, I never want to be like my dad, or I don't want to be like you, or, you know, like, who are you? Because um, I don't really have the best relationship with my father. Um <laughs> As far as like someone that you know I look up to and something that I want to be like, um, so you know I, I I look at that as like man I, I want to do things differently, and you know being the best possible version of myself every single day and performing at my best, um, it's it's what drives me. Yeah, when you really put that into practice, I know there's so many challenges that that come up, and I know for me as someone who doesn't have a family, like I struggle with the balance of trying to perform my best and show up as my best self physically and what that means as potentially a sacrifice for showing up as my best self in other areas of my life. Take us into that aspect of it, especially as a father and a husband who's training for 100 mile races. And that takes, you know, a significant amount of your time daily and weekly and how that compounds. Um, what kind of struggles have you faced in in showing up as your best self, both physically, but also for your family um, and and setting that example for your kids? Yeah, so I think it's when it's, it gets tough is when you know you have those long miles you have to do in the morning, 
like a 30 mm-hmm. mile run like my day's not over it has just begun so just started. i gotta go take the kids to a birthday party or i gotta <laughs> take them to the park i gotta take them you know here i gotta take them there um so like my day's not over after a 30 mile run like i i still gotta go play dad i still gotta be a husband and those are the kind of like the little sacrifice you have to say like where i'm gonna be tired i'm gonna be exhausted but i my kids still deserve the best me you know i still Mm -hmm. i can't go i can't go home and lay down and chill like i gotta go hey like let's go do something and um because i i think that's where that mindset plays in like you know, you just ran 30 miles, but, you know, you still got to go be a dad. You still got to be a husband and you can't be tired. You can't, you can't just call it quits after that. So I think those are like the biggest parts where you're tired after a 30 mile run and you still got to go be a dad. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, the physical aspect and, you know, just the amount of time it takes to train in the ways that you do, do you think it almost contributes um, in a positive way to your ability to be present because what it sounds like is you're able to step back like in these moments and say it's not fair to my family for me not to show up as my best self even if I have already run 30 miles today like rightfully so you're tired but that doesn't mean you can't show up as your best self and give 100% of what you have in that moment do you feel like that presence is supported by the act of running or lifting in solitude, like whatever that, that physical practice is for the day. Um, does it just enhance every other aspect of your life? Man, like a thousand percent, of course, yeah. man, you know, you got this endurance, you know, you're a dirt athlete. Um, let's, let's call it what it is. We're an endurance athlete. We have endurance. So, um, you know, I, you think it just correlates to, every aspect like man i'm still able to go run with my kids like i'm able to like do sprints with them i'm able to take them to the park i'm able to climb on the jungle gyms with them without being out of breath um so definitely man it it's it's the whole thing is an endurance sport you know being a dad and a husband and you know running i think it's helped me out a lot um because exercise gives you energy yeah yeah absolutely and i love that you brought up like the idea of being an endurance athlete. And we know the root of endurance is like just the ability to endure. And I know something that's really helpful for me is in those challenging moments, like force myself to step back or get out of my own head and just like understand um, the magnitude or maybe even lack thereof of the situation that I'm in. And it's like, sometimes playing that comparison game or reframing your situation can actually be really helpful. Um, You know, when I think about you, Manny, it's like Manny's out here running, you know, under 20 hours for 100 miles. He's got one kidney. It's like, why can't I do it? And that, that is like a source of inspiration. Um, So I, I'm really happy that, that you brought kind of that component of endurance and enduring and how that really contributes to all aspects of our lives. I would really love to dive into uh, your most recent race. Like I said, it was just under two weeks ago. um, And I know you had a lofty goal for that race. And I know uh, you had put together the training and you were in a a great spot to achieve that goal. So, um, you know, walk us through the mindset coming into that race two weeks ago. Yeah. So the project, no bad days. Um, 
you know, this whole race was dedicated to my cousin who passed away um, two years ago. And this day was two weeks before his 30th birthday and a two-year anniversary of the day he passed away. So he passed away two days um, after his birthday. So I was like, man, I want to do something special for my family. And I want us to all be together and support each other and remember his name. So, yeah, going into it, I'm, like, just thinking of him. I'm I'm going on a 30-mile run, like, for peak week. I do 30 miles. And I'm talking to him. I'm just like, man, Richard, like, I need you, brother. Like, you know, just be with me. I, I uh, I'm, I'm going to need you with this. I need you with me. This is going to be a... a a tough tough race we're on a crunch like a time limit there's no rest really there's no room for error um so i just need you with me and man i just felt like his spirit like during that 30 mile run and i was flying like i think i averaged like nine nine like nine minutes like the whole 30 mile race um so man like i was like damn i'm ready like i feel good i ran the 30 miles in like um like a nine minute average and I'm like, good. Like, I just have to run 12-minute average for the entire race. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about him the entire race. And I'm like, man, like, if I could do something for my aunt, it's like this, this is something that's crazy special for her. So, um, yeah, man, she, it was, it was uh, you want me to start on, like, the first day now, like, or the race day? like and go through the whole race or just kind of like yeah. leading yeah through. i mean let's do that it, it just sounds like you know there's a common theme and i think it's something that we can all draw upon if we choose to and it's like there has to be a higher purpose there has to be a why to it because just showing up to you know be your best self or maybe prove someone else wrong it's just not enough uh when things get really hard and i know you had those moments in this race you know, where it's like every sign says to either quit or maybe not quit. Like you can finish 100 miles. You've done it before, but get up and go because you're on a time crunch. And I can only imagine, you know, the struggles that that presents where it's like, man, I really actually need to hold myself accountable to hitting these paces or taking a little bit less time at the aid stations. Like everything is is riding on this because you placed a higher purpose to it. So yeah, take us through this race and and you know how that that why really contributed to your ability to push through this discomfort and endure. Yeah, so I had a team meeting like I think the week before. I brought everybody in, um, you know, my aunt, my sister, her boyfriend, the people that were going to be there. Talk talking about it. I'm like, this is not going to be like Born to Run, where you guys just stayed in one place, and you know, I just came around and I refueled and all that. And, like, this is actually going to be a chase where you guys are chasing me to the beach and we're coming right back um so i need i really need you guys to be on your game i need you guys to be like um at the right spots at the right times and um you know they some of them didn't know what to expect because they haven't been through it but then there was like the others that have been at born to run so um yeah man we get there race day i feel amazing you know i carb loaded you know i i did my taper perfect i didn't um I didn't work out, like I didn't do any gym stuff, so I'm feeling really good. I feel full, like my arms felt huge. I'm like, damn, like I'm ready to like let it go. 
And uh, I see Matt there. And I'm like, hell yeah, man. Like, you know, I'm glad you're here, brother. Like, let's, 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 let's send it, man. And he's telling me he's got these issues about his, his leg. And I'm like, man, like, that's, that's it's going to be something to work through. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I, my family's here. You know, they're going to support you, whatever you guys need. You know, we, we, I got your back. I would take off, man. I'm like the first one out. Like, I'm, I'm going down the hill. I'm the first one there. And I'm like, damn, because, like, bro, I got on the vapor flies. I'm freaking <laughs> tapered. Like, I'm, I'm flying, bro. I think I did, like, freaking 650 on the way down. Running like a and marathon. Then, um, yeah, and I get down the hill, and then I, I slow down. I see Matt. I'm like, hey, I'm going to run with you, brother. Let's go. So we started running together. We get to the school where we have to do 14 laps around a school, like half-mile loop. And I'm like, damn, it's going to suck. I took off my my uh, my vest. I'm like, I'm not wearing this. Like, I'm just turning around. So um, um, I'm keeping up with Matt, man. We did like eight loops together. And then he was just flying. I was like, bro, I got I can't go this fast. I think we were doing like 850s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, go ahead, bro. You know, send it. And he takes off. And I'm just kind of doing like the nine, tens, you know, staying in that realm. And uh, we take off. We go. And my crew is doing everything perfect. They're right there where I need to be. I'm texting them like, hey, I need pineapple. I need coconut water. I want um, electrolytes. So they have it all ready for me. And um, I'm feeling good, man. And then there's no restrooms. There's there's no bathrooms. There's no porta-potties. So, like, I have to depend on my crew. Like, hey, can you guys find me a bathroom? And, like, you're on a trail. So, like, you have to, like kind of like get off it a little bit to go find a bathroom but that was an issue man i was having like i was trying to use the restroom and not like you know just to go number one or something you know like it was like i gotta like you know drop something off um so i'm like hurting man for like four miles i'm just like damn like what the hell i need a restroom they're like there's no restrooms right here so we keep going finally like um we find a bathroom and it's like think it's like mile or like mile 50 like mile 50 or no like 49 49 was where that starbucks was at um I, but i'm feeling good bro all the way up to here man like i feel great i just had to use the restroom and then once i got out of the restroom i was like we're heading to the beach and i mean it's beautiful man like you got the freaking air show going on you mm-hmm. um there's there's a crowd of people but i'm hurting like at mile 50, I'm just like, I'm tired. Like, I think I got there in like eight and a half hours. Yeah. So I was already kind of tired. I was just like, man, like I need to, like, I have to turn around and go do this all over again. I get to the beach. I get to the finish mile, finish line for mile 50. And then I see a guy that I was kind of like um, running with a little bit. And he's like, hey, bro, like he did the 50 mile race. So mm-hmm. he was done. And I was like, man, I should have just done the 50. <laughs> like, I was like, we, I could have been here with my family. We could have watched the air show. We could have been in the beach. We could have been chilling. Like, all that was going in my head. And yeah. I was like, man, stop being weak. Like, stop being weak. These people are finished, but you, you just started. You have to go back yep. and do this. So that, I'm telling myself that my uh, my guy, Brennick, he was um, waiting for me. So he sees me. He's like, how you feeling, man? I was like, bro, I'm tired. Um, so then... Um, one of the guys, like, he's like, hey, bro, take this Red Bull. I was like, shit, hell yeah. Like, down the Red Bull. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm going down. Um, I see Matt and Austin. They're they're running. 
I'm right behind him. And, um, you know, Matt's eating. He's chilling. I'm like, how you doing, man? He's like, I'm good, man. I'm feeling good. I was like, all right, good. Like, he, he he's cooking. And um, he uh, he's going. He's, he's, he's moving. And then I stop at my aid station. I just I change my shoes. I, I get out of the vapor flies. They mm-hmm. were starting to hurt my feet. Yeah. Um, so I put on the, the Hoka's, the Speed Goats. And, man, it felt like so much better like getting in those shoes i was like damn man like uh, i wanted to do a a longer i wanted to at least go to 70 in the vapor flies Mm because man i I was feeling like um they were gonna give me the speed i needed but i couldn't no more it was just my feet were hurting so i get in the hokas the speed goes i feel so much better um they're like why don't you have a pacer yet like why don't you get a pacer matt and austin i was like i don't want my pacer until mile 70 like yeah. i feel like we're still like mile 50 like why am i gonna get a pacer like it's we still got a long way to go you know mm-hmm. and um so finally man we get to like 61 or 62 and then my boy he's like bro i'm gonna come in like let, let's get in i'm gonna go all right and so um i see matt a mile 56 and he's like man it took you 56 miles to catch up to me <laughs> and i was like <laughs> i was like I didn't say nothing. I was like, "Damn, bro!" I was like, "All right." I was like, "I didn't, I didn't know there was a fifty-six mile race, bro. We got a hundred miles to go, you know." And uh, I'm talking to Drew, Drew Darby. He sees me, and he's like, "Bro, I know you want to catch him. I know you're close. I know you want to get him, but chill, like, run your race." And I'm just like, "Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, like, cause I'm on his ass, bro. I'm on his <laughs> ass. Like, I think." He was a half mile ahead of me the whole time, like a half mile. Mm-hmm. And um, every time I would come in, like my crew would be like, you just missed Matt. You just missed Matt. And we weren't racing. Like it wasn't a race between us, but it kind of like lit a fire in me to be like, I want to get close to him at least. Like he, find he's that quick, inspiration. Right? Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to get that. I want to, if you have a chase kind of with somebody, like you guys yeah. are fighting for like, you know, trying to get at least past each other. Then, I mean, that's, that's the best thing right there. So, um, I'm with my pacer, we're cooking, we're, 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 we're running. And then I'm just like, bro, I got to scream. Like I have to scream real quick. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I just have to let out a big scream. He's like, go for it. I was like, ah, and he's like, are you good? And I was like, nah, hold on. I was like, ah, he's like, okay, are you good? I was like, yeah, man. He's like, I don't know. I just had to like, I have like so much built up in me. Like mm-hmm. I just need to scream, and so we're we're running, we're running, and I see Matt with Cam, and they're 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 walking, and I was like, damn, this is my chance. Like uh, I just I run by them, and I just go like this, like like this. I just uh, I do this. I say nothing, and I get to my A station. It was like mile sixty eight or seventy, and. Um, I was like, man, I just passed Matt. So I was like, fuck it, let's hurry up. Like, whatever we need, do, do, do. Let's keep moving. So, um, uh, freaking, then Matt, um, he stops pacing me, my boy. My boy is named Matt, and he stops pacing me, and then my other pacer comes in. And he's doing 26 miles with me. So, um, we're going, we're moving, and, man, it was like, I think it was like mile seventy, like six or seventy-seven. Like I'm, I have to throw up. 
like I gotta throw up, man. I'm like I I, I ate that uh, peanut butter jelly smacker. I like I freaking have to throw up, man. Like I feel like shit. He's like, are you sure, man? He's like, you freaking you're gonna get dehydrated after this. I was like, yeah, I don't feel good. So just throwing up, I'm moving, throwing up, and um, he's like, are you good? Did you get it all out? And I was like, no, <laughs> throw up again. <laughs> And I was just like, shit. And like, man, like, he's like, all right, rehydrate. You know, he's getting me good. He's giving me salt pills. I was like, man, I feel better, though. And um, so we're moving. We're cooking. The whole time I'm looking back, I'm like, Matt's behind me right now. I, I can't let off the gas. And, um, I mean, th- I didn't know until the finish that he had dropped out, like, right after I passed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so my crew wanted it that way because they wanted to – me to keep thinking he was behind me so i could keep moving and so then i got to like fuck it was like mile 80 man and i was like i don't even care about the sub 20 goal like i don't want to hit it no more like i just want to walk the rest of the way i was like i don't care um i don't say these things out loud but i'm just saying it in my head like i don't care about the goal so i start walking kind of like um just like kind of giving up a little bit with my pacer and i'm just like i'm walking and he's like let's let's so he, he's just like listening to me like i'm, I'm saying like let's walk and he's like you ready to keep moving and i'm like all right like I, I never told him no like anytime he said we need to pick it up i never told him no i said yeah. let's go so um we're we're moving and i think it was like mile 83 where like i'm just like freaking can't even hold myself up i'm like walking on a curb and i'm just like almost falling and i sit down and that's when i was like man like i in my head i'm like i can't do this no more i'm tired and they they pour cold water on my head i'm like fucking just like out of it um and i'm just like i'm just gonna walk the rest of the way because like the beginning and the end, that is where the most elevation was. So it's two thousand on the way there, and then it's two thousand on the way back. So it's four thousand altogether. Mm-hmm. So we were about to hit the elevation again, and I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, let's just walk the rest of the way. And I'm walking. Then we get down the hill, and I was like feeling good after that. I was cooking. I was hitting like nine minutes down the hills, and then we'd walk up the hills. And I'm just telling my, I'm just like telling myself the whole time, like, who cares about sub 20? Like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. But my pacer, he's thinking we're making it. We're going for it. Like, we're not stopping. Why, why we, why aren't we going to make it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're moving. And then we get to uh, the last aid station at the, at the school where we got four miles left. But my watch says, were still six miles out like it was like a 90 whatever whatever it was six miles but we're four miles away so i was like damn like why isn't my watch freaking my watch right so i guess the course is like kind of new like they made a new course and it was like 49 on the way there and like 49 back or something so it wasn't a total 100 miles mm-hmm. um but i'm like i'm not finishing without my watch saying 100 miles um so we get to the school and I'm like sitting down and we're, this this one has to be quick because we have to do at least 12 minute miles or like 11 minute miles. And I sit down and my mom, she's there and she's just looking at me. She's never seen me this way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's never seen me at this amount of pain and I have to keep moving. But my wife has. So 
I sit down and my, my, my mom's like, no, he needs to like rest. He needs to chill. Like he can't move right now. And my wife is like, no, he needs to get up and start moving. Yeah. And so at that time, I'm just like, see, my wife like knows what to do. Like my mom, she's acting out of like love. Like she wants me to like rest. She wants me to take a break. She's like, do you want to go to sleep? I'm like, I can't sleep right now. I got to go. So my wife uh, tells me like, get up. I'm just like, oh shit, like almost fall back again. And I'm like shaking my head and I'm like, all right, we got to go. So I start walking again and they're just following me in the car and they're like, you okay? You okay? And I'm just like not saying nothing. Like I'm in zombie mode, but just trying to get to the finish. And so we get there and they're like, I don't think he's going to make it because um, he's walking right now. So that's what they're telling each other at the, at the hill. And he's not going to make it. He's walking. And I'm, and at that time, I'm just like, fuck, I got to go. Like, I'm, I'm this close. I'm this close. I think I had an hour to do. I had an hour to do four miles. Yeah. So I'm like, we, we could do that. That's, we could do that. We lock it in. Let's go. Um, I get to the hill and then I'm like, damn, like I got like a mile and a half to go. But the finish line's right there. But my watch doesn't say 100. So we're freaking doing like... Um, zigzags we're walking we're running down the street up and down the street um and i'm just like damn like i hate this because i'm so close but i still have to freaking do these um you know patterns and stuff man so we get to the top i'm still not at 100 and i'm like man like i'm not going to the finish line until i hit 100 so then you know i'm still up in the parking lot doing circles and then i'm like all right we got it and um the guy that was second place, man, he was only like nine minutes behind me. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, like I got to finish this up real quick. And finally, man, I get there and um, get to the finish. And I didn't even know, like I got first place. I didn't know um, that I was going to get, you know, the course record. I didn't know. I didn't thought there was someone still in first place. Like, I got thought, cause there was uh, like, there was like 10 people I think that did the race. So I thought at least somebody was in front of me because um, you, yeah, you're on the same course, but there's certain areas where someone could cop in front of you. Maybe some, when I went to the restroom, someone got in front of me, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, where uh, someone got in front of me because you can go on two sides of the trail. Like you could be on this side or this side. So I was on this side. Sometimes I went on this side sometimes. Um, so at some point someone could have got in front of me. So I didn't know, I was in first place until uh, when I got there and the lady was like, yeah, you got first place. You know, this is our first place finisher. And just to hear that and like for my crew to hear that, to be with me, to be there for my cousin, to get first place, you know, to get the course record. Oh, man, it was like the best feeling in the world. I felt on top of the world, you know, for doing that for my family and my aunt being there. And she got to witness like I don't nobody not a lot of people will witness a hundred mile race you know be there be there and see what goes down to it where you know you're hurting so bad and you could barely walk you could barely stand up and you're hurting and you have to keep going like um, like even me like to to think about that like I still don't believe I ran a hundred miles like it's crazy yeah I mean that's something that makes ultra marathoning specifically the 100 mile distance so special is you there's no doubt that you will have an amazing story to tell so i appreciate you sharing that um in such detail my main takeaway from that manny is 
there were so many times where you could have just said that good is good enough. And at times you were saying that to yourself, but guess what? Like your actions were not aligned with that voice that was saying that good is good enough. And you continued to push for great. You continued to hold that standard that, you know, you set for yourself ahead of time. And we always, we always set these goals in such a state of comfort, right? Like, we're just sitting in our house. We're like, yeah, I'm going to do this and this and everyone's going to love it. It's going to go perfectly. And then you get in the fight and it <laughs> is ugly and it never goes as planned. And there's always obstacles that present themselves that you would have much rather not had to face. But in those moments, that's where you show who you are and why you're doing it. And for you, I know that 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 larger purpose was there. You were honoring your cousin. You were working so hard for the people that were working so hard for you and supporting your mission to run 100 miles under 20 hours. So even if you were saying to yourself in your head that it didn't matter, <laughs> you couldn't fool yourself, man. It mattered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially it mattered to my crew because they they knew that's what I wanted for myself and what mm -hmm. I wanted for the bigger purpose, you know? Yeah. Cause I've already proven I could run a hundred miles, yep. you know, that was already been proven, but can I do it stronger? Can I do it faster and better than before? And that's where the 20 hour goal came in where like, yeah, I already proved I could run a hundred miles, but can we do it in this time? And that's what made the race more difficult because you know, we barely made the cutoff by like six minutes, you know, but 20 hours. So if we would have made one more bathroom break or if I would have got a little bit more sick or, or if my crew got a flat tire, anything would have happened, I wouldn't hit the goal. So, yeah, um, being so close to that and finishing it was uh, uh, made it that more special for for my for my family, man, for my aunt who was there and she got to see my son on a flag, her son on a flag, you know, mm -hmm. us waving the flag everywhere we went. And then yeah. people at the race knew why we were doing it. Um, because those people didn't know uh, my cousin, you know, but now they're going to remember him as, you know, damn, I remember that guy that ran first, he got first place that year and he did it for, you know, his cousin Richard. Yeah. And um, I know she's, she, she's, internally grateful for that and um i'm happy i got i got to do that for her yeah um, yeah man true a true testament to you know the people who push you to be greater like you you mentioned your crew you mentioned matt so many times in in that story um matt on the most recent episode of the podcast uh discussed this race from his perspective and hey if you want someone to push you to be your best matt's a great guy to do it and you know, you mentioned first place. It's like, does first place truly matter when you take a step back from that experience and, and remember why you were doing it to honor your cousin to to truly just bring your best self out in that moment? Does first place truly matter? No, of course not. But did first place and that that goal of potentially, you know, achieving first place did it push you to bring your best self out even further? That's what it did. And, you know, that is just a true testament to like the, the amount of things that can bring us inspiration. Um, 
and and almost like considering the things that bring us inspiration versus the things that truly matter but also being able to leverage both of those and 100 miles 20 hours that's a long time to try to stay inspired so you can draw upon whatever you need to to ultimately get you across that finish line as your best self yeah i was gonna ask you so when you ran your first hundred miles you know the rocky raccoon yeah what inspired you to actually like what kept you pushing bro because yeah you know we're talking about me but also you know this is a yeah. conversation and um i like to know about you know because 100 miles bro you can stop at mile 80 and you're like man that's a big accomplishment already you know yeah. even mile you know 70 you could be like damn that's freaking nobody in zero zero point zero 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 percent is ever gonna run 70 miles you know so right. what like kept you going because i know you already had those moments of like man, like I could finish, but like, why, why do I have to? Yeah. For me, it was, there was no time goal to it. For me, I just wanted to run 100 miles. That was something that, you know, I, I definitely like viewed as a huge accomplishment and something that I knew I could do, but also that scared the heck out of me. And that is what I continue to seek is, you know, the goal that's going to scare me and require the most out of me in order to achieve it. Uh, throughout that race, you know, I had points where I was like, man, I might be able to finish in this time or I'm moving at a really good pace and like I'm, I'm ahead of what my expectations were for myself. But truly, like the thing that I was searching for were the moments where I was probably moving the slowest, you know, mile, mile 90 to 100. Um, and those are the things that leave me wanting more is the feeling of just being broken down and having to reflect upon how I handled those situations. And I think that's a really beautiful, sometimes overlooked aspect of, you know, an endurance race like 100 miles is you are going to at some point like be able to sacrifice your best self. You are going to have the option to, you know, break and uh, not live up to, you know, the standard that you set for yourself, whether it be an outcome oriented standard or whether it be one that's just like solely focused on how you handle that adversity. And at my first 100 miler, I can say I handled you know, the adversity really well for the first 80 ish miles. But if you handle it really well, that means that the adversity probably wasn't tough enough. And then you get to mile yeah. 90, 95, 100. And I look back at those moments and I say, when I do this again, sure, there will probably be a time goal associated with it. I'm going to want to run this 100 miles faster than I ran it the first time. But truly what I want to get out of this experience is that I'm going to handle that adversity um, even better than I did the first time. And I'm going to, to be very aware of how I'm acting in moments uh, of struggle. And that's really what it comes down to um, for much of my life and, and why I started this podcast, you know, under the name Steadfast Collective, because I believe in, in being steadfast under trial. But that's a test. And that's something that you will not always be able to live up to. Um, I feel like I failed to live up to that, you know, definition that I have of, of being steadfast 
in those final 10 miles of the Rocky raccoon this past year. But now knowing that like, that is such a big part of my value of this, this race and these experiences that we have, that's the focus when I get to do this again is, Hey, we're not just training the body to run 100 miles. We're training the mind to endure 100 miles in such a way that when I look back on this race, I'm extremely proud of how I handled the adversity. Who was all there for you when, uh, when you uh, did your race? Yeah. I mean, the, the crew was incredible. Um, there were so many moments, you know, at some of those major aid stations where I, I look back and I'm like, well, no, in the moment, not even looking back in the moment, you know, yeah. I have my girlfriend, Abby in front of me at this moment was caught on video. Um, I have Abby in front of me and, uh, just a little backstory. Like, you know, I ran my first ultra, uh, the year before this 100 miler, just under a year before. Mm-hmm. And it was an overnight ultra marathon. It was a, a 12 hour endurance challenge. So there was not, you know, any distance that you had to run. You were just seeing how many miles you could run in 12 hours. And my goal was 50 miles. I was able to accomplish that goal and, and run 52 miles in 12 hours and uh, overnight, which was really the, the big battle of it all. Um, but it was just me and Abby. Like she was a one person crew. Uh, she had a little tent set up and it was like a six and a half mile loop and she was doing everything for me. And, you know, when I was sitting there at an aid station at Rocky raccoon and she's, you know, kneeled down in front of me and we're talking and, um, I want to say she said something about like the amount of people who have reached out through social media. And I looked up and I said, look around like, look at all the people who are here for us. Like, do you remember where we were a year ago? Um, truly like ultra marathoning is so special for that reason, because you can rally people behind a mission and you can show them just how strong the human spirit is. And I think in, in every opportunity that I have, that's what I want to show. I don't want to show how strong I am. I want to show how strong everyone else can be. Because we all have that to tap into, but we need to choose it. And we need to not only choose like the moments of adversity that are, that are going to bring that forth, but in the moment when we're hurting, when we have the ability to sacrifice that gift that we have, we have to choose to put our best foot forward, for lack of a better term, and, and to show just how tough the human spirit is. And I, I think that's what will always bring me back to ultra marathoning. It'll, it'll bring me back to the stories like yours of ultra marathons run. And also it'll bring me back to like craving that experience because that that's the true strength of it is we're not alone. Um, We can do this with people, but also like when we need to tap into our own individual strength, it's there for us. 100% man. You know, like, like you're saying, man. Yeah. Like you're, once you get to your aid station, you know, you have your crew there. They're the ones that are going to give you that, that inspiration. But once you're out in the miles, you know, you got to look in your, your own self, man. You got to be, you got to be comfortable, comfortable with your own solitude, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's where I made the mistake in the first one, the first race. Like I looked at it as I was being, I was lonely. Mm. You know, I had a, I had a lonely race instead of me just embracing the solitude. Yeah. Um, 
And with this one, it was like, man, like, you're okay, man. You're okay with being alone, man. You can, I didn't have any headphones for the whole 50 miles. I was just in my own thoughts, man. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my Brennick out during the, during the race, I was like, man, I just can't wait to get to mile 50 so I could bump, you know, put the headphones in, <laughs> get some caffeine and yeah. uh, we can get it cooking. And, and even now, man, like how you're saying, like it, it's a whole team sport. Cause now, you know, we're in a group chat with the hundred mile crew and, they're just like, when's the next race? You know, when can we do this again? You know, when can we we be a part of this again? Because people want to be be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because it's not just my race. You know, it's our race. Without them being there, there I wouldn't have completed it. That's for sure, like a hundred percent. So, um, and even then, for this year, man, I got my wife to do her first half marathon. I got my sister to got to do her first half marathon. I got my buddy to start running. He did his first half marathon. You know, and it's just from me doing these things, it's igniting other people to go out and do um, something that is new for them. Because now when I need a pacer, they'll be like, hey, like, I could do it, you know? Yeah. So what, you know, for you, like, is that what what brings you back for more? Is it is it the community aspect? Is it the place that you go and and the ability you have to endure those hard moments? Like, what about ultra marathoning to you uh, is that thing that that just keeps you coming back for more? Yeah, man, I think it's all of it. You know, it's the crew, the family, it's the those points of the race where. You know, you're you're deep in the pain cave and you have to keep going because um, it's 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 uncomfortable. But you already know once you get past that point, man, you're just going to become more mentally stronger. And it, it, it shows, man, because born to run after mile 30, I was in the pain cave. That's where the race started for me. You know, mile 30, the race started because that's where I was hurting. And um I freaking I already PR. That was my PR at mile thirty. You know, I've never ran past twenty six miles, so um, that was it. And now for this one, it was like mile seventy eight. The race started because that's when I was throwing up, and I was like, "Damn, like I'm about to be dehydrated, and I need to like suck this up." So you know, it's just gonna keep going farther, and you know, us coming together because I don't see my family in that kind of aspect a lot you know it's kind of just like real quick um so if we can all come together and do something really cool and then document it and then we can all watch it later you know as a as a family we can relive it um that's 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 the coolest part for me and um later on man my boys my sons man they're gonna be with me they're gonna be on my crew they're gonna be pacing me I'm going to be helping them. Um, so it's it's like the community, bro. And then, you know, people like you, I, I get to meet amazing people. I got to meet Andy Glaze at Born to Run. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I got to see Matt. I got to see other people. It's, it's a whole lot of things that come with ultra running. And um, it's something I want to be a part of, you know, yeah. and uh, – when I get to meet great people, like we're part of the one percent, man, and um, you know it's there's gonna we're gonna meet again. You know what I mean? Whether it be at a race, whether it be at something, um, because the one percent still finds a way 
to to connect with each other. You know what I mean? Like I was talking to Matt, I was like, man, I already saw Matt. I saw Matt Leadville. I saw Matt at BPN, and it's like, and then he came to Cali to do a race, and I'm like, well, I'll pretty, I'll go to Texas. I'll go, you know, we'll meet somewhere again. And um, I think just meeting amazing people is another great part of it. And um, what do you think it is for you that brings you back to ultra running? Yeah, it's it's a lot of what you're saying. Uh, you know, as you're kind of talking about the community aspect, I'm just thinking like, it's incredible how when you you show up daily for yourself and you make those decisions daily because that's what i'm kind of thinking as you're talking is man it, it almost feels like the race is the easy part <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. on race day it's like all the the work that it took to get there and to be in a place where you get to be confident uh that you can run 100 miles like all that work's done the hard thing is working when you don't see it when you don't see those moments of community and when you don't see the possibility of, of truly achieving, you know, that goal that seems really unrealistic at times when you're struggling, uh, through, through training. So for me, it's like being able to make that incremental progress and to see the return on investment over a period of time. And also that just because you invest in, your training and your fitness and getting everything squared away perfectly for race day does not mean that you're not going to come out with some bruises and scars from from the race like you're still yeah. going to be humbled it's it's just a constant repetition of putting in the work being humbled and then working harder as a result that for me is like what brings me back to fitness it's what brings me back to ultra marathoning um, because it's truly like the ultimate test of just trusting in yourself, trusting in the people around you and continuing to like make the same repetitive choice of moving forward, being your best self and, and trying to get the most out of the day, which we do it for months. And it's just race day that, that we truly see that like put into practice and, and the culmination of our efforts. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, do you, when you, those races that you did go into, did you ever think, damn, like, did I do enough or you like, should I have done a longer mile or should I have done a longer race? Yeah. Does that ever go through your head? I really struggled. So, you know, I trained myself. I'm not sure if you work with a coach Manny or, or if you've done all the training yourself as well, but, um, I, I did all the training for myself leading into this Rocky raccoon last year, my first hundred mile race. And there were moments, you know, about six weeks out from the race is, is when it was most notable for me where I was like, I don't think I've done enough and I don't think I have time to do anything about it. Um, but I will say every single race I've ever trained for, and I made a post about this about two weeks out from Rocky raccoon, every single race I've ever trained for this current marathon that I'm training for included there has been a moment where, you know, the switch has flipped and I'm just like extremely confident in my ability. And I know without a doubt, I'm going to finish and achieve my goal. And I think it's just, I think part of it is you're fooling yourself a little bit to be so yeah. confident that nothing can get in your way. But that confidence is what allows you to be courageous in moments of struggle. 
And I will take, you know, fooling myself over being unsure of myself at the start line seven out of seven days of the week. So, you know, that, that truly is like, yeah, there's doubt. I, and I've mentioned this on a recent episode of the podcast too. I do think there's a difference between self-doubt and self-questioning. I think if you don't question yourself at the end of the process that you are, you're putting forth towards a goal, if you don't question that at the expense of believing that it's self-doubt and doubt is a bad thing, you're doing yourself an injustice. Like I question myself every single day, especially when I'm training towards a really big goal. I'm constantly asking like, am I doing enough? Did the performance that I put forth in training today serve as an indication that I can achieve this goal? Is there anything else I can do more to put myself in a better position to achieve this goal? If I don't ask those questions, I'm never finding the answers that are ultimately going to allow me to level up and achieve what I set forth as my goal. Uh, But I think that people, you know, people push those questions to the side because they fear that it's a sign that they're unsure of themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm unsure of myself for 14 out of 16 weeks of a training block. But guess what? Because I'm so unsure of myself, it prompts uh, great action and great commitment towards my goal. And then those final two weeks and on race day, I'm immensely confident. So how do you think you develop this mental strength like that you have now where um, I think a lot of it is like where, of course, you do the training, but there's another part where it's mentally like you got to push past, you know, that that part. Like, what do you think you got the mental strength mm-hmm. is just from constant repetition of like, um, you know, waking up every day and just doing the workouts? Or where do you think you got this mental strength? Did it come from like a younger, you know, your younger yeah. self or where? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear your take on this, too. For me, I think it was um, falling in love with the process first and foremost. I, I fell in love with running. I didn't fall in love with PRing a race. I fell in love with training nearly every single day. And through that love, I've been able to string together you know, enough training to have some success and achieve some goals that, you know, if I otherwise wouldn't have love training as much as I do, I wouldn't have achieved them. And there's a few notable moments that I feel like have given me that lesson of, you know, if I just do the work, I'm allowed to be confident. If I just show up, you know, every single day when it doesn't seem like it matters, it will matter you know, 10 X the amount that I could have ever imagined come race day. And also I think part of it is just putting yourself in really uncomfortable situations and showing yourself that it's not the end of the world. Like, sure. It's uncomfortable. It feels like, you know, the world is caving in on you at at mile 90 of an ultra marathon, but it's not. And if you put yourself in those positions enough, you'll come to realize that, you know, what you're enduring isn't out of the ordinary and plenty of people have endured it even better than you are at that moment. Um, And I think that just the experience of it all, you put yourself in those positions to gain experience. You're going to take away these things that are going to continue to pay off in the future. What do you feel like it is for you? Uh, 
I would say, you know, just from doing hard things and, yeah. you know, when you get in like the day-to-day things. And then also um, for me, you know, my hard things, I started at the age of 18 when I joined the military. Yeah. And um, I figured out like what I was going to do and where, where I wanted to go. And so I graduated high school and I was like, you know what, like I want to go to the military. And that is where everything started for me as far as mentally being a stronger person where I knew I was kind of different from other people, you know, and because, you know, when people look at that and it's another that's another one percent of the population that joins the military that does something like that. So for me and doing that, I was like, okay, I'm a little different from others because I'm willing to go volunteer to go do this and go fight a war. And um, the hardest, one of the hardest jobs to do in the army, which is the infantry. And from there, I think that's where my mental strength developed and where it started changing. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that in. That's, that's a topic I wanted to discuss with you. And, um, you know, if you hadn't brought it up, I probably, I probably would have just kind of moved past it, but, but that's no small thing. Um, I think that, there's a lot to be said about the things that we can do outside of the the physical or, you know, the goal setting and goal achievement of an ultra marathon. It's like, this is all just a small part of our lives. And there's so many moments in our daily lives and our careers and our family lives where we get to show up for ourselves and for the people around us and for the person that we said we wanted to be. We get to show up for them in the same way that we do, you know, when we we create that stage for ourselves in a race. Um, there's certainly been moments of my life where, you know, I was in a career field that I just didn't have passion for. And I ultimately decided to leave it and put myself in a position of, you know, a lot of insecurity and unassuredness and all of these things, but it taught me lessons because I was decisive, because in a way I bet on myself, it allowed me to gain experiences that I otherwise wouldn't have had. I mean, if I hadn't left that career field, would I've run 100 miles already at this point in my life? I don't think so. Would I have met the people that I've met and had the connections that I've had and, you know, had these amazing experiences? I don't think so. And that doesn't mean that I'm free of the struggle that, you know, being decisive and making that transition um, had caused. It's like I still feel potentially a ripple effect from that decision, but I still continue to prove to myself in these moments that I'm strong enough to overcome, you know, these challenges that continue to come my way. We're never free of them. Um, Life is just (laughs) truly enduring the challenges that we face. And uh, if we can practice that approach in the context of a 100 mile race, we're probably stronger for it when it comes down to our daily lives too. 100% brother, for sure. Well, Manny, man, I I appreciate you. Uh, I'm proud of you for all that you've accomplished and the the person that you, you continue to show up as on a daily basis. Uh, you're a true inspiration to me. I know you're an inspiration to many others. Um, certainly your family 
included. Uh, I would love for you to close out this podcast by just kind of letting us know um, where the audience can connect with you. But more so, I'd love for you to plug the documentary that I know you'll have coming out um, from your most recent 100 miler. Yeah, so most of my um, handles for YouTube, Manny Zubia, um, Instagram, Manny Zubia. And then the No Bad Days documentary, we are releasing it October 22nd. And that'll be on my YouTube channel, uh, Manny Zubia. And um, yeah, man, it's going to be a great film. Something I think a lot of people can relate to with if anybody that has lost somebody in their lives where um, they would like to do something challenging for them. And also, you know, instead of like... We've all can go through a deep depression when we lose somebody. We can get into bad habits of drinking and just trying to forget the pain. But if we can put ourselves in the pain and embrace the pain and do something for someone we've lost and someone we love and chase our dreams for them because we're doing we're doing something for those who can't. Right now, man, he would have been 30. This Today's his 30th birthday. He would have been 30 years old. And... He had a lot of ambitions, a lot of, a lot of goals, a lot of dreams that he wanted to do, and he can't no more. So it's up to us, you know, his family, to live out our dreams and our goals instead of just going through life as another day. You know, if we, if we woke up today, um, it's a blessing, man. And um, anything we do, it's not that we have to do. It's we get to do these things, you know. And I think that's – if we live life like that, and it's we can all just do crazy amazing things man yeah yeah i know there's a there's a saying that says like tragedy informs and you know i i really commend you for the perspective that you were just able to share um from you know the tragic loss of your cousins like you are allowing his legacy to live on in such a powerful way um so i appreciate you sharing your story today and uh, I'll definitely look forward to that documentary coming out here. And well, by the time this podcast releases, we may be right around the time that that documentary comes out. So um, definitely recommend that everyone go and give that a watch. The first documentary that you guys did was great for Born to Run. Uh, so I can only imagine how, you know, th- this quality will level up as well uh, in the same way that your performance leveled up. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you for giving me this platform to talk and, you know, speak about myself, you know, and um, it kind of just like lets me know that people do want to hear my story and that Mm -hmm. we all have a story to tell. And I love to hear people's stories. I I love to hear your story. I love to hear um, about people's lives of where they came from and where they are now. And I just want to thank you so much, brother, for um, allowing me to speak and allowing me to just conversate with you, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It was a true pleasure on my end as well. Manny, let's uh, let's catch a 100-mile run sometime soon, huh? Definitely, brother. Rocky Raccoon sounds pretty fun, man. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't mind going to Texas, bro, you know? If it's we don't do Rocky Raccoon together, it's got to be Leadville. That's another amazing one, man. So yeah. I'm def- I definitely see it in our future where we'll be on the trails together. It's just the way it works. Manny, I appreciate you. Everyone, thank you for listening. We out.